Welcome to C3 Church Tugra. You're about to hear a message from our senior pastor, Julie Oldfield. Get ready to be inspired to live your best life. privilege um, a few weeks ago, Katrina and I were going down to a conference down at Spring. It was amazing, called the Firelight Conference, and got to sit under a great man of God called Graham Cook. Has anyone heard of Graham Cook? Man, you know, talk about fathers of the faith. You know, in, when you're in your 70s, I think that you've got something to say and people need to listen. If you're still in ministry, you're in your 70s and you're still drawing large crowds, you're still writing books, you're still preaching, you're still releasing videos, uh, I think you need to listen, you know, with, with great respect. So I sat in that meeting with great respect listening to Graham Cook and waiting for nuggets of truth. You know, there's something about putting a demand on an anointing. When you come into church... You know, you could just say, oh, it's just Pastor Julie, you know. But it's the Holy Spirit. See, the Holy Spirit uses vessels. And the Holy Spirit knows exactly what you need to hear. And it may not be the message fits you, but there'll be something in there that you can grab and you can catch. And it could be life-changing. And so put on your Holy Spirit ears this morning. Don't listen to Julie. Listen to Holy Spirit. And see what the Holy Spirit can bring to you. And so we're at this conference and I just received some incredible nuggets, life-changing nuggets of truth from this great man of God. And they're still stirring in my spirit and it's still bringing change to my heart. And I love that. I love that the Word of God is active and it brings change. You know, when the Word goes in, instead the Word of God says it doesn't return void but it achieves that which was sent out to do. And when the word of God comes through a man and woman of God, a friend, a prophecy, even out of the scriptures, and it's sent to do a work, it will keep working until that work is accomplished, until God has put in you what he needs to put in you through that word. Anyway, I received some of those and I'll share some of those with you. But there was one stage where there was another guy who was teaching us how to be prophetic and, um, and so he split the whole auditorium into, you know, just go find someone and you're going to prophesy over them. I love those moments, don't you, Luke? You just love those moments. It's hard enough, go and say hello to someone you don't know. We're all awkward about that. But, you know, go and prophesy over someone. And so I walked right across the other side of the room going, oh, God, please don't give me a weirdo. Please don't give me any, you know, like, you know, you know, you, know, you sort of want, yeah. And... Um, Anyway, I saw this really tall girl. She's about this tall. And I thought, great, you know, he's sending me Goliath. And over she comes. And we begin to talk and, and cut a long story short. I end up prophesying over and ministering to her and ministering to her life. And she says, you've got to come meet my husband. You know, we've only been pastoring. She ended up being a C3 pastor, which was so weird. We've only been pastoring for a couple of years. And, and my husband would want to meet you. And she dragged me over to meet her husband. And I was standing talking to a husband for a little while and I couldn't help but notice that he was bitter. You know, you've been pastoring a couple of years, you've already, you've already got a bitter, almost critical, cynical spirit. And I thought, I'm going to start speaking into that because I picked it up and I just started speaking into his heart, into his life. 
And he just stopped me. He said, hang on a minute. Just wait one minute, you know. How long did you say you've been in ministry? I said, I've been in active ministry over 30 years and in full-time ministry nearly 21 years. And he said, no, something doesn't add up here. I said, what doesn't add up? How come you're so sweet? How come you still love people? How come there's still a wonder in your eyes about God? How come you're still fascinated by Jesus after all these years? And I said to him this. This is what I want to talk to you about today. I believe it's about keeping a childlike wonder and a childlike dependency on God. Having such an intimate, personal relationship with my father, where I am reduced to a child and he becomes father, so that everything I do and everything I say comes out of relationship, comes out of my relationship first and foremost with my dad. My relationship with him, everything that I do comes out of who I am in him and who he is creating me to be and who he is changing me into and how he is healing me and delivering me. And as a little child, I come to him every time that God, you know, I'm facing this. And as a child, he speaks to me as a father and says, this is how we can fix this, Jules. You just leave it up to dad. I've got this one. Or he may say, Julie, there's this part of your heart that I just need to work on so that you can get through this. Don't look at this as a negative thing. Look at this as a positive thing because it's exposed something in your heart that we can make you more childlike in. We can, we can begin to heal and restore and, and bring the childlikeness back into your heart in this area. And so every time something would happen, and who, how many of you know that things do happen to all of us? You know, we can put the, you know, yeah, we're pastors and, you know, we got the rough end of the deal and all that. But come on, life is tough. For all of us, it's tough. Whatever our vocation in life, it's tough because we've got to deal with people wherever we go. And people are going to tap into that part of your heart that you would prefer to keep protected and not be childlike in. Amen? I've got here the path to spiritual maturity is always through a childlike spirit. If you want to become mature in God, you first have to have a childlike spirit where we are able to see God and know him with a faith-filled simplicity. Everybody say simplicity. It's so simple that we miss it. It's so childlike that we look over it. And we're always trying to complicate things. Matthew 18, 1 to 6 says, At that time the disciples came to Jesus saying, Who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And then Jesus called a little child to him, set him in the midst of them and said, Assuredly, I say to you, unless you are converted and become as little children you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. 
Whoever receives one little child like this in my name receives me. You know, the world makes everything so complex. It's so complex. But Jesus, he just flies right in the face of that. He flies right in the face of our culture. And he tells us this, unless you're converted to the ways of being childlike, we can't enter the kingdom of heaven. Unless you're converted to the ways of being, you know, you must be born again. And so we get born again. We get born again like babies, and then we, 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 we somehow put on our big bodies on top of that and just keep all our stuff. And we don't allow this child that's been born within us to begin to develop and to keep that childlike innocence and for God to restore all things within us that have been wounded or hurt. I think every situation in life is like a journey where God teaches us more about himself. Malachi prophesied, Malachi 4.6, in the New King James Version I'm reading, that God would turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to the fathers. God, in this day and age, Right now, if you want to know the main agenda of God right now upon the face of the earth, his main agenda right now is to reveal himself as a good father. It's high on his agenda. Right now, if you know in your own life, you know, God, what are you doing in my life? What, what, what are you doing in my life? Then just say, God is revealing himself as a good father. Father. He longs to father us into deeper places in the Spirit. I want to say it again. Listen, are you getting it? He wants to father us into deeper places in the Spirit. We can partner with God in this process of fatherhood. After all, we have to become children before He can become Father. We have to partner with him and say, yeah, I want to be childlike. I want to be innocent. I want to be pure. God, I want to hear your voice exactly how it is. I want to submit myself. I want to, that word, that scripture we just read says, humble yourselves and become like little children. Humble yourself and become like little children in your heart. He wants to father you, but he can't father a person that doesn't want to be fathered. You can't father someone who says, I'm grown up and I know what I'm doing and I know how it all goes. And you can't father someone who says, I want to keep my hard heart. I want to stay the same. I don't want to change. And if you make me childlike, I'm going to be vulnerable. And then if I get vulnerable, then things will go wrong because that's how it's always happened in my life. He wants to father you into the deeper things of the spirit. Amen. It's so vital for us to be childlike, especially in this season. It's the only way we can grow in Christian maturity. What the world needs now more than anything else is Christians who are so childlike, so pure, so innocent, so loving, so kind, so good, so much like their father, that the world would see that we are 
love itself. We are the expression of the love of God to a dying and a crazy world. Being childlike isn't a matter of regressing to a lower place in the natural. It's actually about advancing into a greater place in the life of the spirit. Our innocence and purity must be recovered for us to live as children in the Father's house. Our innocence and our purity must be recovered for us to live. That's why this guy was saying to me, I don't get it. You're telling me you've been in ministry over 30 years, but you're still like a child. You know, when I worship God, when I, that's why I don't get it sometimes when I turn around and, you know, have we forgotten how to worship church? It grieves my spirit so much. Have we forgotten how to be childlike in his presence? Have we forgotten how to be abandoned in the presence of God? Last week, we had the kids up here, the little kids, you know, and they were singing and especially at the end of the service, you know, they were leading us in song and the kids were going for it. And I I looked over and there's my little three-year-old granddaughter, Paris, something snapped in her. It's like she's shy, really, by nature. And at home, she's crazy. She's crazy. And she, when music comes on at home, she's a nut bar. She just, she just look, and she does the booty. She does the booty. She does the booty. She does the booty. And she, does, she goes crazy with music. And I saw her up here on this stage being a good Christian child on stage with all the other kids and looking at the other kids going, yes, this is how we do it. We do it like this because that's how they're all doing it. We just do it like this. We're all self-conscious and we should all be like that. And then I saw something click in her and suddenly she listened to the music and she forgot where she was and she started going, booty, 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 booty. And she was gone. She was just gone. And I looked at her and I said, oh, God, give me a spirit like that. Give me a spirit like that. What would it be like, Lena, if you just started doing booty in church? You do it at home with your granddaughter. I know you do. Because I saw, I saw him doing it with her on Saturday, dancing around the house. But he'd come into church and then you go, oh, that's right, I've got to be a grown-up in here. And, and Paris is just going for it, going for it, going for it. And I was just like, I was literally crying with laughter. And I looked, I turned around to see if everybody else was seeing this child go mental. And all I saw was these deadpan faces going... And I thought, may we never lose our wonder. God, don't let us lose our wonder. Don't let us lose our childlike innocence to come into your house and be yourself, to abandon yourself, to worship him with arms lifted, with praise in our hearts, to do booty if you need to, to do anything it takes to say, God, here I am. I'm your child, you're my dad, and I want to tell you how much I love you. And I want to be expressing, I want to express that in utmost freedom. Now, be honest to yourself right now. Just be honest in your own little head, in your own little space. I'm not going to pull you out. I'm not going to ask you questions. But just if no one else was in this room this morning, and you heard some of that worship that was going on, And it's just you, in your lounge room, worship going. How would you act? 
How would you be? You know, there are times where I've got worship playing in my house and i just got to prostrate myself on my lounge room floor. There's times where I've got to fall on my knees. There's times where I just want to cry. There's times where I just want to sit still. There's times where I dance around the house. You ask Phil. I put the music on really loud. He goes, can you turn that music down? Like, it's awful. He doesn't like my music. I don't like his music. So we're good. You go downstairs and play your music. I go upstairs and I'll play my music. But when my music's on, I just, I just love to dance. I love to express. I love to sing loud. You know, when I come into the house of God, I want that same innocence, that same childlikeness. I don't want to have to fake it with you guys and pretend like I'm all grown up. I just want to be me. Amen. And you should be you. And we should all be free to be who we are in Jesus' name. Amen. Our innocence and purity must be recovered, I said, for us to live as children in the Father's house. The kingdom of God belongs to those who can develop childlike sense of wonder about God's majesty. Who's had school holiday? Kids, put up your hand. We'll pray for you later. It's awesome. I love it. But Gillian Andrew, my daughter and son-in-law, said, we're going on an adventure. We're going on a family adventure. We're going to take the kids down to the aquarium. And the kids were so excited about going, and it was just a real buzz and everything like that. And they had the best day. They were sending us photos, and especially little Florrie. I mean, she's only a little bubba, and she's just like, she's just getting off on all the fish and everything and screaming it through the glass at them. She's having the best time. They just had, they were sending us pictures and videos, and it was like we were there. It was just so wonderful. But when they got home, I said to, I said to them all, did you, did you have a fantastic time at the aquarium? And Paris, three-year-old, looks at me and goes with this face like, Nanny, we went on a train. That's all she could think about. We went on a train. It was her first train ride. And I couldn't help but think when I looked at that picture and, you know, Nanny, we went on a train. I thought, how many train rides have we been on that we just lost our wonder about that. Do you know what I mean? Like all you guys that commute and stuff, like, you know, a train ride is like, whoa. But I wondered about that and I thought, how many of us treat our father's relationship like a train ride? Like it's just another train ride. Oh, I'm going to church today, but it's just another train ride. I've ridden that train before, and I will just put on my best face, but I'll probably read the newspaper in my head while it's all going on because it's just another train ride. Well, how many times do you come into the presence of God, even try and pray at home, and you go, it's just another train ride. What's the use? It's just another train ride. But if we could get that somehow, get that, nanny, I went on a train ride. Do you remember, as I said to you before, one time in your life when you had a face like that at Jesus? When he came to you and it wasn't just another train ride, but it was like the wonder of his presence? Do you remember a time where you couldn't wait to get to church? 
Because like little Paris' face, you were just in anticipation that this isn't just going to be another train ride, but Jesus is going to be there and he's going to change my life. And I'm going to meet with him and he's going to love on me. Do you remember a time where you went to a connect group? I can't wait to get there because Jesus is going to meet me there and, I, and I'm just so excited at the wonder of him. Do you remember a time where you just sat quietly in his presence? And he comes so close that you can hardly breathe. And you feel him right, right there. And he whispers. He whispers personal, beautiful things into your ear. And you just, you're in wonder, you're in awe, you're fascinated by him. I've been so fascinated with Jesus for 36 years. I've been too busy being fascinated for anything else to creep in. I've been too busy being in love for hate to creep in. I've been too busy being fascinated by him for boredom to creep in. I've been too busy being fascinated. May we never lose our wonder. I love that song. May we never lose our wonder. Amen. Innocence is a quality we are born with and then slowly we lose through the experiences of life. Who can say yes to that? Every time we have one of those bitter experiences, as I will call them, a part of our purity erodes away. The way we think and perceive things in the spirit withers and we become guarded, weary, suspicious, mistrustful. When another bitter experience then happens on top of that, another layer of grime is placed over our sense of wonder. Given enough time, we become unsure that we were ever innocent in the first place. Meanwhile, we look at everyone around us and see the worst, including God. Don't you think that God wants to take your heart that's had years of stuff dumped on it and slowly remove the grime, the filth, the bitterness, the disappointments, the mistrust. Slowly remove that to reveal the child, the original intent, the original creation that you were created to be. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Because that's what happens when we let him be father and we humble ourselves and be like, like children. When we just trust him, when we just put full dependency on him, when we stop trying to do it our own way, prove ourselves, you know, try and get brownie points, you know. I mean, you that are parents, you know, your kids don't have to try too hard to get your love. And even when they're naughty, sometimes you love them more. Sometimes you love them more when they're going through stuff. You know, that's who you are. You're a child of the Most High God. He's your Father. Right now, He wants to just embrace you. He wants to love you. He wants you to come home to His heart and find Him again. He wants to remove the layers, the layers of grime that have taken your innocence and your purity and your childlikeness. 
The most important felt need in every human being is the need to be loved, to belong, and to be significant. And God gives us all those things. The Father gives us deep, dynamic love that is unselfish and fully empowering. He delivers us to a place of simplicity to know and understand beyond all doubt, beyond all doubt that we are accepted and loved in such a glorious manner, releasing an understanding of letting go. He heals our wounds. He renews our minds. We become innocent in childlike again. I don't think there's any better way to learn how to be childlike or to have it stirred up inside you than to be around those who are childlike in their hearts. I mean, Julie and Andrew, I don't know if you ever would have gone on a train and gone to the aquarium as a date. Probably wouldn't have happened unless it was for the kids. But we did it, they did it for the kids. But in that, Andrew... Was your wonder refreshed? Was your love for life, you know, replenished? Was your wonder of the God of creation in those fish and in the... Did you sit on that train and suddenly it wasn't just another train ride, but this was incredible. This was like a journey with my kids because they stir up. They stir up that that's deep inside of us that's dormant, you know what I mean? If you want to get your wonder back, hang around people that have got wonder. Hang around people that are still excited about God. Hang around people that are still in love with God. Just rub shoulders with them. Go on a train ride with them. And let them see through their eyes. Because you know what happens? People that are childlike in their own hearts, people that are innocent and pure in their own hearts, people that have, 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 have allowed God to deal with the grime and the layers that block them, become so open so easy and so beautiful that you just want to be around them. Isn't that what the body of Christ is to be on the earth? A beautiful, innocent, pure people who have no stuff, that just love unselfishly with no, nothing, they don't, they don't need anything in return. They will love the most unlovable. They will reach out to the most you know, the, the hardest people, you can come up to the hardest people. And as Pastor Phil said before, love breaks through. But it's a childlike love. It's a, it's, it's a child's love that comes from a father and comes through you and comes to a hurting and a dying world. Amen. It's good to know God in the good times and say God is good, isn't it? You were coming to church, we're going, God is good, God is good, God is great, God is amazing, He's wonderful. But, you know, as you shared with us a few weeks ago, it was so, it was so beautiful, you know, how you shared how God got you through some hard times. That was so incredible, really, really incredible. And, you know, there's times where God takes us to the heights of His love and it's nice to be there. But what about the depths of God's love? Because if we only have the heights of God's love, we become very shallow people. We become very uncaring people. We don't have no compassion because my life is great. I don't know about you lot, 
but I'm going to heaven. I've got everything going good. God is good to me. Everything's working out according to plan. I'm blessed. I've got a great house. I've got a great car. My kids are amazing. Look at them. But you know what? Unless we go to the depths of God's love, we don't become people that then can relate to a dying and a hurting world. Everything that God is doing in our lives is intentionally relational. Everything is intentionally relational. To walk with Him, therefore, must be intentionally relational with Him and with other people. God, in His wisdom, allows what He could prevent by His power. Every situation in life is about wanting to give Himself to us. Every situation is about God wanting to give Himself to us. Right now, our lives could be good, they could be bad, they could be ugly. We can be joyful in knowing that God has designed our current circumstances to enable us to see a part of Him that we couldn't see at any other time. The question to ask when you're going through things that aren't as great, that don't, you think they don't show God is good, don't ask the question, why? Ask this question, what is this for? What are you teaching me, God? What are you showing? What part of your nature, your character, are you showing me in this trial? Together with Jesus, we can walk in the high places of the spirit as well as the low places of the soul. But only if we come to the understanding of who I am is. Galatians 5, 23 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. God lives by the fruit of the Spirit. Every fibre of His being exudes His fruit. If God didn't exercise self-control, for instance, we'd all be dead. If it weren't for His kindness, we'd all be lost. If not for His joy, we'd all be heartbroken. We must become passionate about understanding the fruit of the Spirit that is in Him. And then in turn, we can live that out through our own lives. Graham Cook says this. He said, every day I ask God, I wake up in the morning before I think of anything else, before I think anything else. As soon as I'm coming out of that deep sleep, into that sort of half awake, I say to God, what part of the fruit of the Spirit, what part of your nature do you need me to know today? What part of your nature do you want to teach me today? And he says, and lo and behold, whatever God says, and I begin to pray into that, it's usually what I need for that day. Perhaps I'm facing something where I need a revelation of peace. And God has given me a revelation of his peace that morning. And then I walk into a situation where I desperately need peace. Perhaps it's joy. Perhaps he says to me, I want to show you my joy this morning. And he just pours joy over me. And then I go out into my day and realize that I really need a joy today. Perhaps it's long suffering. Perhaps it's kindness, goodness. Whatever it is, he says, I wake up every morning. He said, I'm, I'm in, he's in his late 70s. He said he's been doing that every day that he's been a Christian and he still has not really discovered the depths of the fruit of the Spirit on God and how he can become more like him. I love that. To become dependent, this is my last point, we must trust. And I think it's the toughest thing Trusting is a big deal. But to trust someone 
you need to know them. You're not just going to blatantly trust someone. You're not going to blatantly just throw your arms up and say, here I am, I'm vulnerable, make me childlike. No, I'll humble myself to be vulnerable, to be that in that state, you need to know someone to trust them. And what better way to know God than to begin with the fruit of the Spirit? To begin to say, God, every morning, show me a fruit of your Spirit. Show me a part of your character. Show me a part of your nature that I might become more like you, that I might know you better so that I can trust you more, so that I can open up more to you and I become more transparent and more vulnerable. Amen. Graham Cook said this. He said that God was teaching him something in this season of his life. He said that he had been, um, he had a life-threatening illness for the last eight years. And he said, at first, I prayed, God, you're my healer. You can heal me. You're my healer. You can heal me. You're my healer. You can heal me. He said that he's added up that he's prayed over 3,000 times, God, you're my healer, and yet he's not healed. And in the midst of his prayers, God began to show him another part of his character and his nature that set him free. And it was this. I don't want to reveal myself to you as the healer right now. I want to reveal myself to you as your keeper don't worry, Graham, I will keep you. And as soon as he said that, it was like the heavens opened. It was like, boom. It was this revelation came into my spirit. You know, when we first pioneered this church 21 years ago, I was pregnant with my fourth child. And we were planning to, we were sitting down, planning how we were going to pioneer the church, where we were going to open it, what school hall we were going to go to, la, 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 la. I'm six months pregnant. And, and I started to bleed internally. And I was taken, rushed to the hospital, taken to the doctors, and they diagnosed me with an autoimmune disease that was incurable, so they say. I was so sick. And you know, it's been 21 years that at least twice a year I still get sick like that. I'm sick like that right now. Because it's a, it's a disease that can come in and out of, um, what do you call it? Remission, yeah. Goes into remission, comes back out of remission. When it's out of remission, I'm very, very sick. And I have to take so much medication that it drives me crazy and makes me really ill. 21 years I've been praying that prayer, God, you're my healer, I don't understand. It goes into remission, I think I'm healed, then it comes back and I just, you know, I've had times where I've checked all my life. I've, I've had people come to me and say, there must be sin in your life. What's going on with you? There must be sin, you know, or you're doing something. And I've checked, you know how you check your heart, you check your heart, you check your heart, you check your heart. I've been and I have had deliverance. I've had counselling. I've learned about generational curses. God's taught me so much stuff through this. I was desperate, man. I don't understand it. God, I'm planting a church for you. I'm putting my family on the line for you. I'm pregnant with my fourth child. And you give me, you know, I get, not you give me, but I get a disease that is just life-threatening. I don't get this. When Graham Cook said that, 
I may not be your healer right now because that's not the revelation I want to give you. I want to give you the revelation that I'm your keeper. And he said this, he said, when David stood before Goliath, what do you think was that made David bold? He was only a young lad. What made him so bold? What made him so strong? It's because he had already been prophesied over that he would be king. And he knew if he was going to be king and God had said he's going to be king, then he couldn't die that day. And so he stood in front of Goliath and said, Goliath, you may be strong, you may be bold, but I know my God and he's my keeper. And today someone's going to die and it ain't me. And so he got strength from knowing that God was his keeper. I just feel so released from that. I just feel so, you know, one revelation of God. I know there's things prophesied about my life that I haven't fulfilled yet. Therefore, God has been my keeper. God has been my keeper for the last 21 years of this stupid disease. He's been my keeper. He's given me the strength to stand behind this pulpit when I couldn't stand up. He's given me strength to raise my kids. He's given me strength to go on with this. And He's revealed so much of His heart through being my keeper, much more than He would have revealed if He was my healer. Amen. See, it only takes one revelation to get the wonder of God again. And now I don't wake up in the morning going, oh, I've got this rotten disease. How can I fix it? And what can I eat? And what can I not eat? And where can I go? And who's going to fix me now? Can someone else pray for me? Do I need more deliverance? Do I need to look at myself again? No, I'm just at peace going, yeah, you're my keeper, God. You're my keeper. We hope you enjoyed listening to this message. For more information on what you've just heard or how to visit us, go to c3talgra.org.au. We hope to see you at church soon. Let's be.